You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's 2.15 a.m. at the Hotel Cecil, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call. Uh, I am Emily Yoshida. I am back with my Night Call friends on the West Coast, Tess and Molly. Sorry, usually we introduce ourselves, but I'm just too excited now, so I'm introducing you guys for you. Um, You've been gone so long, you have to just take over entirely, <laughs> of course. We've all forgotten This is my show names. now. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, it feels great. It feels like it's been forever, but uh, I, I I was away, as as was detailed on the show, marrying somebody I met on a podcast. Met, and met on this podcast, technically. <laughs> this, this podcast yeah, grandfather. This, yes, yes. <laughs> grandfather? Yeah. Grandfather. I would, like, I would think of it as like a, like a mother, grandmother, uh, grandmother. Because there's there's been yeah. other incarnations along That's the way. That's true. Yeah, there have been. There's a there's a there's a MCU of of the uh, girls in hoodies. Yeah, we talked about universe. this last week about all the podcasts that we've had. Molly's five podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep starting uh, more. I can't stop podcasting. Oh. Emily. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. We missed you. Ah, me too. <laughs> I I really I really wish that we could have podcasted like from afar because I feel like there are so many things I wanted to tell you guys about, especially when we were on our honeymoon. We got some really Japan. good texts from you at times that were like made sense to us. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Wait, like what? It's all kind of a fog. Oh, you know, just Uh, like sometimes I'm awake very late at night and maybe it's daytime in Japan during that time. And you send a nice text of some forest crabs. And then all we talk about on this podcast while you're gone is the forest forest crabs. I, I, we need I to spend a minute that, yeah. talking about the forest crabs. Well, also, we sh- you should just tell us every, like, tell us all of the highlights because um, yeah. your Instagram was full of some really good ones. And we'll, we have to get to the Lost in Translation yeah. Hotel. I felt like we were oh, all on yeah. vacation together. Uh, we were. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. First, I, I rarely am on vacation. But I guess this is the first time I was on really on a vacation with Instagram stories. So I kind of, I really liked falling back on Instagram stories instead of, say, Twitter to talk about whatever was going on because it felt like I didn't have to explain or make a joke about whatever I was doing. I could just be like, look at this cool thing that I'm looking at. And that could be it. I didn't have to, like, be a writer about it. So that felt like a kind of nice way to, to share the vacation without being too... Without having the social media thing take it over. Mm-hmm. So well, there were was, so many know. cool things to look at. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's the other nice thing about stories is it doesn't all need to go on your actual feed. It can just sort of like. My only complaint there. about stories is that then they go away. And they go away. All I wanted was to see the, the forest, forest crabs. crabs <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. I saved the video of the forest crabs. So I, I, I made the joke on, on Instagram that they were confused and thought it was the ocean. I I think it's more like they just got washed up from a nearby creek and were just like wandering on the pavement. So we went during the rainy season, which I think is kind of the reason why our tickets weren't a zillion dollars when we were out there. Um, And it really wasn't that bad, but the one day where it really rained a ton was, of course, the one day we decided we were going to be walking around Kyoto and doing like having our most touristy day. It was so beautiful, though. I know. Um, Yeah, it was like it was very atmospheric and it was nice because it wasn't too crowded because of the weather. But um, the side note... um, like sh- very shortly after I got married, um, I bought a pa- my first pair of Tevas, um, <laughs> and I feel like this like this transformation took place over the course of one week. Where I'm like, I love my Tevas. I'm gonna go be a tourist and wear my squishy sandals. You entered Tiva like, mode. Seriously, because like when it's raining that much. You, you can't even really wear boots because it'll just get inside the boot. So I just thought, why fight it? Just be barefoot and let the water wash over you your You became feet. a forest crab yourself. I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I became slightly amphibious. So we were leaving um, Nanzenji, which is this um, huge Buddhist temple. And, of course, as we were leaving, like, the 5 p.m. was the closing time. So we couldn't be inside anymore. And then it just starts pouring down rain. So we were just like running, like bolting down this path, um, trying to get back to the subway, which basically took an hour because it would start to lighten up and then we'd start walking and then it would start pouring again and we'd like find shelter under the nearest thing. But See, that sounds uh, so nice because we are in a place that like doesn't have a rainy season anymore. It's so dusty. Yeah. <laughs> Tess and I talk about how we look at the weather app every day and it says 0% chance of rain. For, uh, yeah. for the entire week. Just for the entire week. year. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every day. And you can just like, fill in mm. rain with whatever else you good you want to have happen. <sighs> yes. Like, yeah. it's uh, Sometimes it's it'll be raining and it'll say 0% chance of rain. It sounds so it nice. It was so it was so moist. And it was there. so green it was really moist. looking. Everything yeah. you posted, I was like, oh my God, please. Yeah. 
beautiful. It's so crazy because we were there. We were staying. We were staying outside of Kyoto in this um, like a, a ryokan, which is like the kind of a bed and breakfast, like the Japanese version of a bed and breakfast. And the one we stayed at is like they had this river th- side thing where they turned off all, all the lights at a certain point so you could see the fireflies, which was so funny because it reminded you, me of you, Molly, because. There were like three fireflies on the river. Oh, because you were nights. with me when I saw the fireflies yeah. in New York, and yeah, I was like, "You lost your shit." I lost out. My what mind. are those? Yeah. Well, I think I've said this before, but this is like a lot of LA kids I know have this thing where the only place we've ever seen fireflies is on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then yeah. that's like what I expect them to look like. And then when we saw them in real life, I was like, "What? They exist?" I, I was real. looking for them here. Nobody tells you there's no fireflies no. in LA. When I moved here, I was. It's like, the trade cool, off. it's summer. Where are the bugs? That yeah. lo- oh, it's the trade-off yeah. for less mosquitoes as yeah, you also true. don't get fireflies. Well, no, but now we have the mosquitoes too. Well, now, now. we also have some mosquitoes because yeah. we're getting... But, Wait, but it's not raining? How do you have mosquitoes There's just rain? some stagnant pools. water, you know. People have pools. Just a, uh, There's the, the mighty L.A. River. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Just the a- roaring L.A. River. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, so yeah. at this bed and breakfast, did you have to have communal yeah. breakfast and dinner? Um. Yes, it's a mm. well. Everybody gets their own little table. It's um, okay. That's pretty. I mean, good. it's like very formal. It's yeah. very old school. Communal and formal, tables and are like Artessa's worst nightmare. They are. No, 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 no. You don't have to. You don't have to talk to anybody else there. <laughs> there except, we go. <laughs> except huge exception, and I think not a not a good trade off. Oh no. Um. This this place, like many of these types of super traditional, like I would say, like fancy ryokans, had um, geishas. Like they they come through and they like perform some kind of dance or whatever. I mean, I didn't know that this was a part of this hotel's deal when I booked it, and then I saw it later on. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I have very little interest in that, yeah. but okay. But it it's like a mandatory part of your meeting that you have to like sit and watch the geisha performance. But you, they're they're micos. They're like geishas in training. But um, uh, but then they come through and they talk like to each table and you have to talk to them and you have to talk to them oh. and it's like the one of them that came through and talked she spoke a little more english and it was okay but then the rest of them mostly don't and so i was speaking to them in japanese and my japanese is really bad and also takes a lot of brain power for me to use and especially at the end of the day i feel like like almost wiped out like i cannot like speak Japanese yeah. like it just if it would like take it out of me at the at the end of every day to try to have a conversation with the Maiko but uh yeah so that I I would rather be at a communal table with other people who are staying at the hotel than than with yeah. <laughs> what did you guys talk about like oh where are you from and I found it to be supremely awkward, Ugh. but like the drunk businessmen who were there for dinner got a got a kick out of it. So I guess it's not really for me. What else did you but, see? And where else did you go? Our three main places we went were Kyoto, Osaka, and Tokyo. Uh, Osaka is the best. We only spent a day there, but I like I I, I really want to spend like a whole trip there mm-hmm. next time I go to Japan because it's. Um, Really, really fun, and the food is amazing, and people are just like, it's more fun. But uh, I wanted to tell you guys, so this campaign was started a few years ago in Kyoto to get um, more people to use public transportation and to use the subway. They decided, like, the best tactic to attract people to the subway would be to make, like, cute anime girl mascots for the train. Um, And so it's called, like, the Moe Moe Kyoto 
like campaign. <laughs> um, and they have like they have this full cast of characters now. Like this started a while ago, and so by now they've unveiled more and more characters. Um, and there's uh, and, like the the main girl. She has like a brother, and then a, a, another one of her friends has a brother, and. There are all these bios for them, and I think they made some kind of short animation. But it's just hilarious because, like, all of the subways are plastered with these ads of, like, these cute anime girls, like, holding their, their subway passes and, like, showing how cool and cute it is to have a subway pass. Does it work? <laughs> Do people ride the subway more? I, 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 guess, I guess it's been successful because they've kept it up. Are they, like, moe versions of the trains? Like, are they supposed to be, like, a character who is the train? No, no, no. So they're... They're like they're named writers, after, right? Yeah, they're writers. And they, I guess they're supposed to be like Kyoto residents, but they're also named after some of the different stops oh. on the Kyoto subway. Um, it's so funny because they all have these like official profiles. It's like somebody at the, who works for the city yeah, made up Yeah, how do these, we get like, this job? Yeah. Characters. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. <laughs> but, um, but there's one of the guys who's like kind of like a jockish guy wearing a pink hoodie. His uh, name Takeru and... Says Takeru attended the same high school as Ryo and his best friend, who's like the other boy there. He has an easygoing and optimistic side. After graduating from high school, his desire to become a bread maker led him to study at a bakery in Kyoto. He likes how people can buy bread around Kyoto's subway stations. Now I'm just picturing somebody <laughs> riding the train and falling in love with one of these characters. It seems know? as though that happens. And people are collecting the posters, right, Emily? Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to find them because I, I, I realized that this was a thing. And then I started trying to figure out where I could get the posters. But, like, they have different promotions. Like, if you use... If you, you got, get a day pass and then go to the zoo, you can get a poster or something. But like none of those were happening while I was there. I was I was so uh, charmed and, and and delighted by <laughs> by the cute. We should have more subway. train mascots. Yeah, we should. Here. I know. There's that really good yeah. Twitter account. I think it's Mondo Mascots, and it's all yeah just Japanese mascots for different things. And a lot of it is like mascots for like a precinct or whatever. Yeah, you know. I like the idea of um, just having a mascot for everything. It's yeah. great. The grain industry or something. Yeah. <laughs> Weedy. Or, Some of the ones I've yeah. seen on Mondo mascots, it's like they're always about like, well, like their main trades are like growing melons and like oak trees. Yeah. So it's like an oak tree with a melon for a head. Well, the weird no, it's thing so about great. I love that. the boy who's not the bread baker, who's like the older brother, the, his picture makes him look like he's just like shady. He's got something to hide. And his description is like, you know, he's really cold to his younger sister but yeah. he like is protective of her but it was also like he hates when the trains don't run on time yeah <laughs> so, yeah everybody has like normal personality traits and then one hyper specific transportation yeah. related <laughs> let's take a subway train to our next topic oh so we recently started um a facebook group from the facebook Ooh, yeah. page and uh somebody whose name is emily uh, asked if we had any thoughts about the Cecil Hotel, which um, if you were following macabre stories a few years ago, you may remember from uh, a woman named Elisa Lamb who was found dead in a water vault. Is that the correct uh, terminology like for what it was? On the water tank. In, on it the was roof. the water tank. The water yeah. tank. And it, it was like a huge mystery because um, she she had t- she was like using Tumblr, I guess. So it, there was a lot of stuff to pour over like her, you know, musings on Tumblr. She, and then there was a, a she creepy. She had been seen 
on the like surveillance cameras yes. sort of wandering in the hotel. There was a video a... and they it was later referred to as the elevator game because the the surveillance video shows her getting into an elevator and like this weird I mean, there was no audio. You could It was hard to make sense of, but it looked as if there was someone outside unseen on the surveillance tape, and she was in the elevator and, like, almost like she wanted to step out, out of the elevator and then was kind of hiding in the elevator from someone. So it kind of sparked some conspiracy theories. And uh, Yeah, there were a lot of conspiracy theories about it because it was, like— sh- it's impossible to get in the water tank right. by yourself. So they're like, somebody must have gone with her. Like, how did she get up there? There were all these how things. How did she close the lid back yeah. over herself? Yeah, it's really horrible. Yeah. And then yeah. somebody wrote a really good long piece about it that was on Medium, I think, mm-hmm. that was about sort of going over the details. And it was like, hey, you know, the answer to this mystery is that this person probably had, like, mental illness. And, she had like, a psychotic break. Had a psychotic yeah. break. And it's like... Not not that cool. Right. I mean, that was the thing right. is that as soon as it was kind of re- like that the likelihood of her having been killed and put in this vault or whatever was seemed like the least likely explanation. It just became very sad. Yeah. But regardless, the Cecil has kind of like a creepy aura right. around it's, it. It's haunted AF. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. It's super haunted because um, it's an old ass hotel in downtown L.A. Yeah. It gets all the shine as as being like, oh, the one creepy hotel no, in downtown LA. They're all creepy. The Biltmore Check out the is so well creepy. Hotel. They're all, oh, yeah. the Biltmore. Super These are creepy. all my favorite places in Los Angeles, <laughs> yep. too. I have to say, like, I wanted to talk about this just because I was cleaning out a hard drive or I was looking for something on a hard drive. So I found all these old pictures because um, I had done this um, kind of conceptual photo shoot for a project I'd been working on at the time uh, and and did it at the Cecil Hotel because I needed, like, a kind of Was rundown. this before or after this happened? This was before. This would have been in, like, 2010 or 2011 or something. So that would have been like two or three Um, years before this happened. Yeah. It was after they had done this sort of um, remodeling to kind of make it more of a tourist hotel or like kind of something like a low budget hotel for like people who would, you know, be using hostels or something Mm -hmm. like that. They were trying to market themselves that way. This is like the very beginnings of downtown starting to be rehabbed in a way, but so there was like a coffee shop out front, but it wasn't really that operational. Like like all of these early efforts in downtown L.A., it was like there is a thing that looked like gentrification, but it didn't really work. Yeah, right? that's like how it, it still Like nobody is. worked there. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of it is. They, still they like, put it up. They were like, we'll build a stage set of a downtown yeah. and then people will fill it with real downtown. And then it was right. like, no, it's just We'll have a crepe shop facades. that nobody ever works at. Well, because probably yeah. most people experience downtown driving through it. You know, yeah. it's not like I mean, a lot of the people who are downtown are working there and don't like yeah. have that yeah. much time to explore the, the idea, like quirky places. Like the Cecil Hotel yeah. was always like a hotel for like people passing through. It's like right, right in the middle of the heart of downtown. But they they do keep trying to flip it and make it like now it's a fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. Like now it's gentrified yeah. and it just is so scary well, the, still. So they are actually like the people who own the Bowery here in New York mm-hmm. uh, bought it and are going to try to make it into like an ace like yeah, hotel. Good which luck. I actually think this is super interesting. This is the main thing I want to talk about is like how long do you have to wait before a place that's haunted becomes like something that people like young urban professionals uh, like are attracted to it and can find it t- like like think it's hip because the the Black Dahlia stayed there or something. Like, right. I I was totally into the Biltmore for a long time because it was the last place that the Black Dahlia was seen. The, and it was at the bar, the gallery bar at the Biltmore, which is incredible. It's one of the best bars, like, just for appearance alone. So I lived downtown for a while, so I would go there 
and I would like wander through the lobby of the Cecil just because I thought all these places were so cool. But like that was, I wasn't like rehabbing it as like a hip ace hotel but i'm wondering how long does it take what's that window for where you can be like okay we can turn this into a ace hotel-esque project and and the kids will flock to it because ghosts are hip now or whatever like Like, i don't know right and also like the chateau marmont is right yeah many people have died there yeah and there are many ghosts and that's part of its appeal i guess my mom stayed there once and she said that um she was staying in a room with a broken mirror and was like, she just couldn't stay there. <laughs> She's like, I have to move rooms. And then I feel like she just kept seeing broken mirrors and like ghostly things. But I like, talked no. to somebody. I went on um, this podcast, Bizarre States, a little while ago. And they were talking about how they went to the Stanley Hotel, which is one of the Shining Hotels. Yeah. And they were like, it actually wasn't scary at all. It was disappointingly unscary. Somebody was like having a wedding there. And we kept being like, oh, we're trying to like get spooky. And you guys are just like having a wedding. They said that they kind of like downplayed the spookiness because like they got bored of people only wanting it to be a spooky shining hotel and they're like no no we're also just a nice hotel yeah well they have a film fest now um called the overlook film festival it's like a horror film festival and for the past two years not this year but um they've they've had it once once they had at the stanley hotel and then the other which is the one where where stephen king wrote the shining there's one that he wrote it and then the one that that they shot the shining at right well there's two different hotels shot it um, and Pinewood Studios, they like built a set, but there's a couple right. different hotels. But the that exterior, it's based on. It's yeah, the yeah. Exterior, I think, is the Stanley, and then yeah, the interior is modeled after a hotel in Yosemite. Oh, really? Okay. That's really old. There's one. In, I think he wrote it in Colorado. Yeah, is I that think right? that's yeah, I yeah. Think that's the Stanley. But yeah, the one in Yosemite that the interior is based off of has a lot of like Native American themed stuff yeah. because it's in Yosemite, but also that's like. Why people think The Shining is about genocide right. of Native Americans because it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, speaking <laughs> of downtown LA, yes, uh, we binged to varying oh, yeah. degrees The Purge yes. over the Fuck past yeah. week. Um, the first Purge just came out, or not just came out on July July fourth fourth yes. July fourth. We talked. Um, this is one of the first things we talked about doing for the podcast, and then yes. we were like, "Oh, but the movie doesn't come out until July." Yes, and we were like, yeah. "Well, that gives oh, us several months, a in lot which of time to watch some purges." We're, Molly and I are not completely caught up on all of the purges uh, because it turns out that binging the purge is also like a tremendously stressful and it depressing experience. Really, right now. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Who knew it would be mm-hmm. that way? Um, but yeah, I had seen the first one when just when it came out on VOD. So it was probably 2014 or something. I think it came out in uh, 2013. And then I watched it right when it came out. So it had been a couple of years, but I remembered it as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered I as we the first one. Loved Anarchy. A- no, loved Anarchy. Anarchy is the best in the somebody asked me recently to rank them and having not watched all of them recently, I still would put Anarchy at the top. Yeah. I think Anarchy is the best one. So, I'll, so um, I watched the first one and the second one, and then I'll be honest, I, I couldn't couldn't do the third one. I'd had enough purging. Yeah. I was like, man, I gotta watch something really dumb yeah. to to yeah. chase this. Well, F Y, what was the dumb? <laughs> just so that we're in on the. Experience. I watched Made in Chelsea. Of All course. right, there we go. There we go. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, it was a Christmas episode. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good purge, purge yeah. taste cleaner. Purge cleanser. Um, yeah, but the second purge is all takes place in downtown LA, which is why yeah. we're talking about it. And I was like, oh, of course I really love this movie. It's all about like just running around through downtown LA. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Matt Saracen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, Frank Grillo. Yeah. And who's then in the yeah. third one as well. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Big He's fan. not in in the most recent one. Really? So I was wondering if they were going to try to sell Frank Grillo as a kind of thread throughout the franchise. If not an actual hero, then at least like a connecting thread. Well, but he couldn't have he's been. Not. He couldn't have no, been in the first one because he would have been like eight. You know? <laughs> right. Well, I, it's unclear how much time passes between the first purge. And by that, I mean the most recent movie, right. not the first purge movie. No, that's what's uh, confusing, and, too, is you're like the second yeah. purge is about the sixth purge. Okay, wait. So the first one is supposed to be in 2022, right? right. So the, that's the fifth okay. purge? That's, this is like the, the initial purge. But then there's yeah. the, yeah, the purge anarchy is 2023, right? It's the following year. Let's explain yeah. the purge to listeners who might not know how yes. the purge works. What? Everybody okay. knows about the purge. I did not the, know the how purge, it worked. How? how? The because. purge is a series of horror films. They're not sequels. They are all about one idea and different takes on the same idea. They're created by a guy named Jason DeMonico. James DeMonico, uh, I think. James DeMonico, rather. No, I, I confused him and Who Jason Who is Blum, best but known they are, it, before The Purge for writing the movie Jack. Yes, where Robin Williams ages four <laughs> times faster than he yes. should. The concept is that it's some, in some point in the in the near future, America has has uh, elected a, a party, a, like a super right-wing, Others the new founding fathers of America. Oh, yeah, The okay. new founding fathers of America, NFFA. Uh, because the crime and whatever, like there's so there's so many problems in 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 America, and somebody decides that they can all be solved if once a year, uh, for a 24 hour period, all crime is legal, including murder. Wait, I thought um, it was. I, wait, hold on. I thought it was 12 hours. I thought it was 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. once a year, but I may be wrong. But that's why. Oh it, yeah, it is. Yeah. it is. It's only 12 hours. It's only 12 hours. So it's yeah, it's it's. I guess it's framed by the NFFA as like, well, there's so much unrest. We're going to solve it by having everyone express right. their violence yeah. during Purge this period. Their- Get it all out during this 12-hour period. You can't be tried yeah. for anything. Can't be tried murders for anything. Le- murder's fine. Murder's but- legal. Hospitals are closed. Yeah. Importantly, I think government officials are protected. Oh, right. Until you the right. third, until Purge oh. election year. And you well, can't to be break fair, the rules. all rich people are are protected because they can afford to like armorize their house. Well, which is what but the as first you see one is in about. the first one, it doesn't always work. First one is like a home invasion movie about yeah. Ethan Hawke and Cersei, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in a house in Chatsworth. Um, and yeah. they get it. Kind of makes no sense. Yeah, like, he's a security expert, right? So he's he like, installed all the systems in the yeah. neighborhood. But so, that kind of yeah. was like beside the point, like. It really just is like a home invasion movie about the purge uh, that focuses on this one couple. Like a, a homeless black guy tries to enter this suburban community. They take him in like because there's just this scuffle and then they're keeping him. But the like white evil preps in blazers yeah. <laughs> that that come and try to terrorize them want want to take the guy away from them so that they can murder him. Right. So it's sort of this chamber play I read about the making of it, and a lot of it was like we we wrote it because it was cheap to like make it all in right. one yeah. place. That's why. No, and that's like that's ingenious. It like, is ingenious. I mean, and then in the second yeah. one, they expand the world of the purge because so they see, have more money. Because they have more money, 
And uh, it's, but it's the same, I think, as the first one. Like, it's all kind of cozy catastrophe, which is like where it's like a group of survivors trying to get through, you know, yeah. something insane. Yeah. It's kind of like just a post apocalyptic movie, but the post apocalypse yeah. only lasts for 12 hours at right. a time. Yeah. Uh, and if you break the rules during the purge, then you get executed after the purge. Oh, I forgot about that. That's one of the things is if you break the rules, if you like do something you're not supposed to, there's some rules you can it break. Was, it's something yeah. about the like level of weapons. Guns are okay, right, but not right. tear gas or something. I was really no tanks. I was yeah. really into the rules. I don't know why. I just <laughs> That's as a horror film, I think that makes it really good cuz like I think most horror films have a set of rules. Right. And it's all about like when the rules get broken or if the rules are going to get broken. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of built into the purge series and I think it's really smart. But I also like that it tends to, and uh, now with the the fourth one also, the recurring imagery is, yeah, like a bunch of like middle or lower class people kind of like huddling together in their like dumpy apartments and trying to just like survive yeah. together. These movies and that, are wild political is what I yeah. did not really know, but you know about that. Yeah. I feel like James DeMonico was, was kind of avoiding talking about that up until the release of this yeah. one. Um, because, I think he was talking about it also during um, election year too, yeah. which was the one well, before the second this. One, yeah. The second one came out in 2014. There's some mm-hmm. stuff in it that's very like, like at the end, there's like a guy with like a scary American flag hat who's yeah. like the scariest guy. And I was yeah. like, this is like, af- this is directly just MAGA hats and stuff, but it, right? What's yeah. crazy is that it does kind of accidentally predict. I mean, it, it has its finger on the pulse in a way that's kind of crazy. It was kind of hard to watch because yeah. it was like, though, this is, reminds me way too much of like reality. Exactly. You know, there have been a bunch of pieces that have kind of broke broken this down. There's a good one on Vox. Um, um, but the first one, it was kind of like, you know, just playing off the home invasion and like, you know, almost like the Hunger Games aspect of the mm-hmm. government pitting citizens right. against each other was almost like an incidental thing. And then this, in the second one, they brought in like this class anxiety. They brought in mistrust of the government. Yeah. In the second the one, media you find out. was like a really big thing yeah. because there was, yeah. like, you know, you have to watch like the YouTube channels to get the real dirt on what's going you on. You find out that the purge sucks. In the second yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't yeah. even know if they allude to it in the first one or if they decided in the second one that this was the thing, if they, like, had this all along. But well, the whole thing about the first one is just, like, the illusion of this being a thing about families versus, like, some kind of marauding outsiders. Right. Kind of gets broken down in, in like, social and racial and economic terms in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. In the second um, one, it's, like... You find out there's a counterinsurgency against the purge. The a count- resistance, the if counter you will. purgers, yeah. Yeah. led by Michael, led K. By Michael K. Williams, <laughs> who's so good. He's so yeah, good. So it's amazing. Cool. Fuck the purge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the new founding fathers of America because it's great. It really yeah. is great. Yeah. So yeah, in the second one, you find out that the purge is basically just a scam for rich people to kill poor people, mm-hmm. and that they have started hiring like outside contractors that the government is like sending in people basically to like kill people during the purge stir it up yeah just to like kill more poor people during the purge and that they use the fact that poor people are like excited about the purge like against them because everybody's like this is my right like these are my freedoms a lot of it seems very gun control y because it's like people who are like I have nothing but like one day a year I get to go shoot whoever I want mm-hmm. and like that makes everything worthwhile. 
Yeah, they actually like name check the NRA. The NRA. Later, yeah, and yeah. The the new one. So the new one is basically about um, the first purge, as it's called. But um, that they do a trial run of it on Staten Island. And <laughs> they... Which I was saying, of course. <laughs> no, because we're saying the first one is Chatsworth. The second one is downtown LA. The third one is apparently was shot in DC. Providence, but takes place in DC. But um, it was shot in Providence, so a friend of the pod who uh, went to RISD sent us a picture of when they built the giant guillotine in the the alleyway outside her studio. (laughs) She was like, (laughs) it was actually like everything was blocked off because they were filming The Purge, so like nobody could like get food to their studio. And I was like, oh, so it was like The Purge. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was like, what about like Purge Mates? Nice. <laughs> the new ones in Staten, Staten Island. Island. Of course, plenty of jokes to be made about that. But the the thing that they set up is that they um so they pay everybody if they stay, they get five thousand dollars. And so all these people who are like super poor are like, well, I'm not gonna turn down five thousand dollars if I can just stay in my house and like, you know, wait for it to blow over. But then they pay people more if they say that they're going to participate in it. Um and then they wear these um they are given these contacts so that they can monitor their activity and the contacts turn their eyes blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so nuts. But but so the thing that the thing that's crazy is that um when they when they start the experiment, uh nobody's killing each other. Like they're just like having parties and kind of just like hanging out. And some people are like stealing money from ATMs or whatever. So then that's when they start sending in the outsiders. Oh, um, and somebody... then also broadcasting when they're like, oh, there's been all this gang mm-hmm. activity at whatever street and whatever street. And then broadcasting that back out to the people who live in Staten Island being like, look at your neighbors. Look at how crazy they're being. Like you should be afraid of them, which just felt like such a chilling. Yep. I had never seen that kind of laid out in those terms or like a narrative that allows that kind of dynamic to be laid out in those terms, which I thought was so, so smart. I was so impressed with it. It's very smart. I mean, weirdly, this is a genre that I think we all love, which is like weird sort of side science fiction of like, this could be happening now. It's not like quite in the future. It's like, this feels like now, but like a slightly more insane version of now, but like reality becomes more like the purge every day. It yeah, well, feels who would have like? known yeah. that the scribe who did Jack would have basically <laughs> predicted our current dystopia? Can you confirm, Emily? It, is there really a pair of people in the first purge named Anna and Elsa or Anna and Elsa? <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. Yeah, so in the first purge, the first purge, meaning the most oh. recent purge, I heard that there are two sex workers whose names are Anna and Elsa. Which of course. Oh, frozen. I mean, there are two sex workers, but I don't. I didn't remember catching their names. Curious Easter uh, egg, if true. Well, they're not. Uh, they're not Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever see Death Race Five Thousand? No. Death Race no. Five Thousand is like a Roger. Cor- okay, so there's like a lot of Roger Corman movies that are yeah. about things like this yeah. because they're like exploitation movies, and they're like an excuse for everyone to like kill each other in a movie. Death Race 5000 yeah. is a car race where you get yeah. points for running people over. Mm. Is it 5000 or 2000? I think it's 2000. Yeah, so it's all these people in a car race. It's basically like a like a gumball rally, but you get points for running people over. So the more people yeah. you run over, the more points you get. And then David Carradine is like a, a guy whose name is Frankenstein who turns out to be like against the death race, I think. Um, but yeah. also Battle Royale. Yeah. Yeah. A, um, a movie we all love. Yep. Have you seen Punishment Park, anyone? Pun- I haven't seen Punishment Park. Punishment Park, I think it's like on Criterion, but it's just like an art movie about like 
it's a punishment park. It's like a theme park where yeah. where hippies get chased by cops, basically. <laughs> we <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so there's a thing where it's really obvious, like an exploitation type movie thing where it's like, okay, the bad government in this movie has created a set of circumstances that create a very entertaining movie yeah. for us. And you can kind of like lay back and like as long as you accept those terms, you understand like, you know, well, there can be some social commentary, but also right. you're like enjoying the violence and on its own terms in a way. It's hard to watch sometimes yeah. because you're like a little bit it's just it's hard to watch. It's it's disturbing. But I would argue that compared to things like funny games yeah. or your next, yes. there's so much more they're also funny to go off of. It's I not mean, yeah. like torture porn. It doesn't feel just like people getting tortured and right. like, oh, isn't this bad? It's like a little bit funny. It's a little bit like more poppy or something that makes it well, it's also it's just it's interesting to see the different iterations of it, like yeah, how it opens up, and especially right. to end it with the idea that like there was a time a long time ago when it was an experiment and you could escape because it's just Staten Island, right. and then in each subsequent film that's erased. So it's like you can't. It's and about I guess, like hypernormalization too. Right. It's like yeah. oh, this thing that seemed really fucked up when they first announced it, then everybody just got used to it really mm-hmm. fast, yeah. which is like yeah. something we've all been dealing with a lot. That can't happen, and then it's like. Oh, it's happening and yeah. everyone just sort of like got used to it somehow. And it's also the question of how do you kind of moderate your response to something very extreme? And in The Purge, yeah. the good guys will fight back with the same violence that the bad guys yeah. are fighting with. And, you know, it's it makes you really consider like how extreme things have to get before you are complicit just by right. doing nothing. Like the counter purgers in the second one are kind of like they seem like kind of like patterned after the Black Panthers or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, they're militant. They're yeah. like, the government is a bunch of militant, insane people, and, like, we have to fight back against them yeah. using, yeah. like, things that are illegal because, like, they're doing things that should be illegal. Right. I, I just think, like, there are there are parts of in all the movies where it's, like, the only way to fight back is to just, like, do more violence. But I think that this most the most recent one definitely interrogates that more and is like I, I don't ever feel like it there actually is less violence I would say in the most recent one and it's more just about like this sort of sense of dread uh, and like kind of this closing there's like, a lot of dread of, um yeah it wasn't maybe as cathartic as I wanted it to be yeah. I was sort of just like oh like this also feels like things feel a lot yeah. right now yeah. um yeah but yeah I mean it's yeah. also like it's obviously none of it feels very far-fetched at this point, especially, right, yeah. but it also was just making me think about like if it's a comment on like sundowner laws, which were mm, the mm-hmm. super racist laws that right everywhere had. Especially, there have been like some incidents in L.A. and somebody was talking about like you know Glendale being such a nice town, and then somebody was like, well, you know, Glendale had like sundown laws until like very recently. And for people who don't know what sundown laws are, it was basically a, you know, an un, it wasn't a, was it an actual No, it was law, like an unwritten law, an rule. understood thing that if you were a person of color, you could not be in that place right. after dark. It was an unwritten rule of like if a person of color is in this white neighborhood after dark, then like whatever happens to them is like not going to yeah. you won't be prosecuted for that. Yeah. 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 So, man, the purge. The purge. <laughs> Well, you can either call or text us at 24046-NIGHT, or you can send us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on social media. We have a Facebook group, Nightcall Podcast, uh, Instagram, Nightcall Podcast, and Twitter, Nightcall Pod.
And now let's That's... roll that beautiful bean footage. Hi. I call podcast. Not sure if this belongs on night call, but I was calling to ask for any advice that you might have. I'm a 20-year-old guy living in Berkeley, California. I just got out of college. I had a pretty useless degree that has improved my interests. Luckily, I don't have a huge student loan debt. But I'm wondering what advice you have for people getting out of college who have no idea what to do with their lives. I'm not really passionate about any particular interests to make it clear. But I do want to be able to support my family and be successful with having a future. But for strange days and lonely nights, this is what I've been thinking about. And I'm sure many people think about this. So if you have any advice, please do so on the podcast. Thank you. I feel like uh, we've been talking about this in some form or another. Uh, caller was just asking about, you know, post-college general anxiety, uh, trying to figure out what you're going to do, you know, big questions like that. Um, and we've certainly been thinking about that, I think, in terms of our jobs and how we came to our jobs and all the weird uncertainty that preceded us having the various lines of work that we have. Um so, yeah, I mean, do you guys have any advice that you have for our caller? Uh, in the <laughs> car, <laughs> on the way here, we were like, we're going to have a fun time answering this question because we're the worst people to answer it. But um, we've been talking, all of the three of us, about uh, the general kind of like just implosion of online media Um the Univision sale of The Onion, AV Club, uh, the Gizmodo Media Group. I mean, it's just kind of endless. Uh, every week, it seems like a new place that we either one of us used to write for or we are, we're all big fans of is folding. And I think um, right after we graduated from college, that was a time when people were, you know, if you had a blog, it was like kind of embarrassing slightly. There was a time <laughs> when people were embarrassed to admit how much time they spend on the internet. Yes. And right. And would like yeah. pretend not to be on the internet. Where you'd say like, oh, a friend of mine said, and it's like, no, they weren't your friend and they didn't say it out loud. Yeah. You read it on a blog. And then yeah. there was like yeah. a point when it turned where suddenly everybody was like open about how much time they spent on the internet. Yes. And then it became yeah. kind of a joke. Like, haha, we all spend our whole lives on the internet. Yeah. Extremely online. And then Some of us got paid to write on the internet for a while. Um, I totally naively thought that, like, the money and ad stuff from magazines would just, like, eventually move to the web. Right. You know, that, like, well, magazines are dying. It did, just in, like, such a diffuse, like, microscopic way. I don't even know that it did. Yeah, I mean, I feel... It did for, like, 15 minutes. It felt like it was any moment now we're going to figure out how to, like, monetize blogs the way that we monetize magazines with, like, big ads. And then... It turned out that's way harder than anyone thought mm-hmm. uh, or just it's because it works differently. It doesn't. Well, because the web had been around and creating good content for free for so long, but nobody had really acknowledged it as a legitimate source. I think everybody was like very skeptical and kind of um, took offense at reading like an advertorial, having a pop up ad, having like embedded ad links. It was very offensive. It was like, this is supposed to be free. This is supposed to be something we all create together. But I think between like 2007 and 2010, it seemed reasonable all of a sudden to believe that there was like an actual career to be had. Yeah, I don't think any of us were like trying to get into blogging. It just was like it appeared. 
I mean, I think that the way I can like generalize a little bit of advice to bring it outside of just the media thing, but just I think so- some something we've all kind of shared. I think we all kind of thought of ourselves as writers in some way or another. And then this sort of opportunity came up or like you could sense that there was some kind of gold rush happening, maybe two steps to the left of what maybe we would have envisioned as being a writer's job yes, or something. And so you kind of just sort of make that shift over and be yeah. like, well, this is basically like what I want to do. This is the way that I could maybe see some money for it. Yeah. And I think in those times, too, this is like a theme, I think, of our generation. Like you come into everything with a fear of selling out and you get that worn down over time. (laughs) Right. And then you're like, please, please, may I sell out? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Please let me sell out. to sell out. You know, that's the thing is like we graduated kind of right into the recession. Mm, And so a lot of the things that were of the recession, I just thought were like what happens when you're 22, which is like nobody wants to hire you and you can't get jobs you are overqualified for. And then you start applying for like retail and food service jobs and you can't get those either because like everybody else is trying to get those. Yeah. Uh, I think you should take the most interesting, shitty job you can. Like, apply for an array of things, and they don't have to at all correspond to what you studied in college, and pick the most interesting one, because the interesting ones always lead to something else, but the uninteresting ones take up so much of your time and leave you with nothing, I think. I would I would add to the interesting ones. If you can find an interesting one that also has a hard out every day— which is right. is more and more rare the no. more and more that jobs are are, are telecommunication. That's or not something we talk about a lot. Yeah, is yeah. being able to have a division between your work life and your life life is like very important and maybe not something that any of us like knew we needed to prioritize yeah. when yeah. we started because we were just yeah. like so excited to get paid to money. do something. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming that there's kind of a deadline on this that you need to start making money soon. So I would say if you need to like find a job that you're telling yourself you're not going to have forever, but is like the job you have while you're figuring yeah. stuff out, then then definitely have one that you can walk away from and, when you leave it. And don't uh, like pressure yourself to get yeah. the job you're going to have for the rest of your life when yes. you're like no, out of college because those jobs don't exist anymore anyway. No. And, and nobody has yeah. that. Yeah. Nobody has that. And also they secretly suck because they know that they have cachet with you and so they can treat you like garbage. But if there's something that's like, a little quirky that you are into but that maybe other people wouldn't yeah. be then at least you get a great story and at least you get an idea of what you liked about the weird thing and didn't like whereas i think like i mean definitely the worst jobs i've worked were not in food service or retail but in offices doing nothing for a company that didn't matter to me yeah because it just you leave it's like it sucked your brain dry it hasn't given you any interesting experiences you're interacting with the same people all the time. There's like it's a higher pressure job, so you can't really leave it when you leave. Two of the people that I most uh, kind of have been in, interested in their careers uh, since we all graduated. One of them was a girl in a box at the Standard Hotel. And I was like, I remember I was like, should I apply to this? I don't think I'm cute enough to apply to this, but also like I would feel crappy about myself. She went through that whole thing and she wrote a book and it was great. Yeah, I think you know? a lot of probably there was a time when it felt like a lot of people were like, I'm going to do something weird so then I can write a book about it. But if, right. but even if it's just like it would it would pay you the same amount as waiting tables, but at least yeah. even, if, even if you don't write a book, it's like you have the story yeah. and you're thinking like, God, I hate it for these reasons. I've got to get out. So it like motivates you more because you get that fire. And it, 
And it puts you in a situation you wouldn't have been in normally with people that you might not have been in with normally, even if it's unpleasant. Like, nothing's going to be forever at that age. Oh, this is the other thing I would say. Don't get married to the idea that your best work I thought you were just going to say, don't get married. (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't get married. Like, right when you get out of college. Uh, Hey, I'm back from my honeymoon. (laughs) Yes, guys. No, I thought you meant, like, like, don't get married when you're 22, but also don't get married. Well, also don't do that, honestly. But also just don't fall in love with this idea that you uh, will create your best work or that the prime of your professional and or creative or whatever you're trying to do in life is post-collegiate because it's not. Like, I... Speaking from a very specific instance, this goes back to why I was at the Cecil Hotel. Like I, I graduated from school. I had I got a script optioned in heavy scare quotes. I don't want to get too much into <laughs> the legal uh, aspects of it, and it didn't happen because it just didn't happen, and there wasn't the funding for it. It was also two thousand eight or two thousand nine. Like nobody was funding independent film, but. Had it happened, like that would be the end of my career because it was a terrible script (laughs) and it would have been a really bad movie. I wouldn't be able to still accumulate experiences and like think about what I actually want to do instead of like hurrying up after school to be like, this is my genius piece of work that I'm going to do like as a college graduate. So don't like let yourself like not be a student for a while. Yeah. Well, (laughs) as a rebuttal to that, though, I think my life would have been a lot better if I just booked that role in the movie that I auditioned for pretty much right out of college <laughs> that was Golden Retrievers in Space. Ooh. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, Damn, sometimes you do take yeah. the flyer. Oh, and you're then right. yeah, point you taken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say my main advice, not that I'm the person to give advice, but, yeah, don't do something you hate, and it's okay to, like, get life experience and not think that you have to like find your passion immediately and do it it's like picking a major it's like you give yourself some time in college to pick a major give yourself some time out of college to like find out what you actually want to do and if you want to be around people be around people and go party because you should yeah go party like you feel like you shouldn't because now you're an adult but you should definitely like go party because later your bones will hurt your bones will hurt and right now like everything's so bad I just wish I were (laughs) 20 years old and was like in a just put it away and party but I can't I just read the news I wouldn't be able to party I feel like I'm glad that like nothing nothing cataclysmic was happening (laughs) it was just yeah we were like Y2K partying I would have loved to be at a Y2K rave but no I was not I would I basically just wanted to be at the party at the end of Strange Days. But, oh, yeah. I wanted to be um, in Independence Day when the stripper's on the roof and she's mm-hmm. holding up the sign yeah. to welcome the aliens. That's me. Yeah, I yeah. mean, one really honest piece of advice that I would give is like, if you know, if you can learn how to program, do that. You've just gone full dad. But it's yeah. true. That's, that's I'm just something like, everyone's dad has already said. I know, but I'm just like, the thing about writing is like, you. everyone gets paid completely different amounts of money. Yeah. Just you know, depending on like who you're doing it for and how much money they have. And sometimes you hear people who used to work in magazines and they tell you how much money you used to be able to make in magazines. And then you have to go like walk into the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) However, let me just say, how many times has either your dad or someone else's dad or just a person who is not a dad been like, Molly, you should learn to program. No, because I like great advice, but I'm not going to do it. No, because the plastics of our of our age. My brain doesn't know. know how to program. But my friend Sarah, who went to film school, uh-huh. then also taught herself how to program and now she works as a programmer. I'm just saying it's a field where people actually get hired to do a thing. Fair. And they need it. The, I'm, so, I'm like vibrating with happiness. Also, in <laughs> yes. case you can't tell, Molly and I are out of the garage. We are in a studio. Thank you, in Audio Boom. In a studio. In a studio. Stu, stu, and it's studio. Stu, stu, studio. 
So thank you to Audio Boom for doing that. Hopefully we'll be sounding um, even more. Yeah. Than, more us than we are. We're in a soundproof room. It's really cool. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, and, and and thank you to, to our producer, as always, Ben Hosley. Thank you, Ben. Here Thanks, on the ben. East Coast. Uh, we got double studio action. Double so. studio. This was this for this week. We are back next week with more night call. Again, give us you, a give yeah. us a night call at two four zero four six. Follow us on the Facebook. Yeah, Facebook and now has a group Twitter. if you want to join. Yeah, we have a group. Whoever so. whoever runs the Twitter account will start tweeting. Again. <laughs> so, whoever uh, runs the Twitter uh, account is back from Japan and we'll start tweeting. <laughs> whoever runs the Instagram account. You can also send us questions there. You can really send us questions or comments or... All channels are open. All yep. channels are open, but now the Facebook group, um, if you want a little more interactivity... Uh, and meet fellow your fellow night callers. Yeah, and, and if you want to send us memes or make memes, make some night call memes, we'll take it. Emily, welcome back. We missed you. Welcome Thank back. Thank you. I'm Yay. so glad to be back. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a legendary summer. I can feel Leg- it. It's yep. a surgical <laughs> summer. It, oh no, it's the purgical summer. The purgical summer. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.